Good morning again. How do you feel now? Shout out a few words compared to when you arrived this morning and sat down. What comes up for you? Centered, peaceful, at ease, spacious, calm. And, and as people are calling these words out, see if you can resonate in your body, if you can find a place in your body where it's true. What else? Check in what's present. Nourished. Fuller. Open. Great. <sighs> More present is also what I'm feeling in the room and as I look out at you. Yeah, lovely. So that is our first lesson this morning. What I was exploring in the guided meditation was becoming embodied, becoming more present in our bodies. And the way I did that in this guided meditation was just checking in with the different parts of the body, relaxing them, checking to see if there's tension, and then relaxing, and then feeling the sensations of the body. So it was a mixture of relaxing the body, noticing if there is tension, relaxing the body, and also feeling the sensations. Like, as you're sitting right now, feeling your feet on the floor or or your bottom on the cushion as you're listening to me. Right? Can you hear my voice? Can you follow what I'm saying and still feel somewhere in your body? Whatever is easiest for you. For some is the feet, for some is the bottom, for some is the hands. Pick a place that's easy for you to feel and still follow. Everyone got a place? Yeah? Pretty easy, right? It doesn't take that much concentration or so much, so much work. It's receiving. It actually can put you in a stance of receiving. Receiving the sensations and receiving what is said. Yeah? Does that make sense? Any confusion before we move on, because this is going to be the basis of the next thing we do. Any questions about receiving the sensations of somewhere in your body and also listening at the same time, receiving what is said. Pretty clear? Yeah? Yes? Not if yes, yes, yes. Shake if no. Okay. By the way, this is your day long. Okay. We co-create this. It's not just me here, blah, 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 and giving some preset. 
instructions. In fact, the day can go many different directions on the topic, given what is needed in the room, given what is needed, what is alive. Okay, more responsive instead of me just talking and you kind of like just receiving what it said. So at any point or time, know that the floor will be open for questions and comments, etc. And please, I invite you to participate. You're a full participant, which again is going to be another theme today. So actually, let me put a couple of themes up. So, let's see. Yeah, let me put, let me put one thing up. And okay, let me mention it first and I'll put it up. So, this invitation that I have for you to really take part in this day, in this day long, um, and make it yours is part of being wholehearted, wholehearted participation, wholeheartedly in. Okay. And that's an exploration that we're going to do, not just for today, but today, consider today a, a small version, a, a micro version of the macro version of your work. Today, this is a micro version of you exploring how can I be fully committed, fully in this thing, this day long, as I interact with people, as I listen, as I'm in it, being full, wholeheartedly engaged. And at any point, if you, the question arises, okay, what does it mean to be wholeheartedly engaged? Experiment with not being wholeheartedly engaged and just feel it in your body. What it feels like when you kind of pull back and you kind of like, ah, you check out, right? And, and you're not really listening or you're planning something else or you're, say, if you're interacting with, with, with a small group, if you kind of check out, like, oh, how does that feel in the body? Not to be engaged, not to be wholehearted versus being wholeheartedly present and really taking responsibility that you have a part, that you have a part in, shaping and forming this. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. And in general, the other point I want to make, which I already did and I put, I'll put it up, is consider today a micro, a, ma- a micro version of your day. Like how, how can you be, how can you interact with people? How can you show up? How can you ask questions? How can you engage? How can you not be afraid? Even if fear comes up, oh, I don't want to ask this question. This sounds really stupid. Like, oh, is this, is this how I work? How, how I show up at work? Yes? Okay, great. So there are two things I want to put up. There will be more as we engage. One is consider. So. So consider today, or maybe I would say either the micro, the micro version, or some, you can also call it the sandbox. Here's where you, it's the sandbox. You can play. You can kind of see what it, what it feels like. 
of your work, of being at work. Then the other thing is the invitation. Invitation for wholehearted engagement. Okay. Because it's not just what we do, it's how we do it. I would even claim how we do is more important than what we do sometimes. Well, that, that can raise a lot of concerns. But okay, let's just say both how, what we do and how we do, but they're both just as important. So, let's say the both what and how. Okay, so three things to keep in mind as we explore, as we go through. So I wanted to put these up because the next, the next invitation that I have for all of us is an exploration. Um, it's going to be an interactive exploration in small groups. And, um, Again, it, it will be a sandbox of listening and interacting. And think of that as the way that you listen and interact at, at work. And there will be more topics that we'll get into. But, um, and also, actually, let me ask, how many people are here today taking the CE credits for the CE? See, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, great. Terrific. Wonderful. Um, so, So one of the um one thing that we do a lot at work, you know, it's not just the work we do, whether it's, you know, if you're creative or if you sit at the computer and it's not just alone work. A lot of what we do is interacting with other people, listening, talking, right? Anybody not listen or talk to anyone at their work. I appreciate the laughter. Um so, so the first exercise I will, will do is actually twofold, is twofold. One is an, an exploration of our intention about work, um, what we want to bring into the world as a way of kind of getting into this day long, like really getting in touch with our intentionality. Okay. So that's one purpose of the, the exercise we're going to do. But the way we're doing it, the process that we'll be engaging is also a lesson. So, so there are two lessons in the next thing we're doing. One is the exploration of intentionality in work, our wise livelihood, what we want to bring into the world, how we want to show up, what we want our legacy to be. So that's the content, right? And then the how is the way we're going to be interacting with the people in the small group, okay? All right? And I will talk about both of them. So first, let me talk more about the how, and then I'll talk more about the what, the prompt that you'll be talking about. Okay. So the how is, in a moment, we'll get into groups of four or five, depending on how big the group is and how it works out. Four or five. And each person will have the chance for a monologue. So each person will talk for, say, I'll time it three to five minutes. I'll, I'll time it exactly. I'll tell you when to stop. 
So each person will have time to speak, and it will be a monologue. And this is the sandbox part, so other people will not be interrupting. And you're uh, or saying, yes, me too. Oh, yeah, how about that? You know, it's just a monologue. Each person will have the chance to just be held witness, okay? And And other people are practicing, so this is a practice for everyone. So first, the practice of listening. Let me talk about that, because that's a little simpler. So say you're in a group of four. The other three people are listening to one person speak about their intentionality about their work. And in listening, remember what we just did a little earlier with the guided meditation, feeling embodied, feeling our body as we were listening? That can be so powerful. So as you're listening, try to stay embodied as you're listening to the person. So your mindfulness, your awareness is both internal and external. Usually we think of mindfulness only internally, but actually it's both internal and external. As taught in Satipatthana Sutta, in the seven, uh, in the um, four foundations of mindfulness teaching, it's both internal and external, and this is a practice. So I, I mention that because I want you to see how this actually relates to the basic practices of Buddhism: the internal and external mindfulness. Okay. So as you're sitting, and you can start practicing now. As you're sitting and listening to me. Exactly. As I'm, as I said that, I noticed some people kind of like, oh, they kind of got into the integrity of their body the way they're sitting. You sit differently when you listen with your body, don't you? Check it out. And now I'm going to invite you to something else now. The next level, graduate level. See if you can listen with your whole body. Not just your hands, feeling your hands or feet or or belly. See if you can listen with your whole body, whatever that means. Don't try to understand. Just, okay, can I listen? Can I receive with my whole body right now? Whatever she's saying, can I listen with my whole body? Just drop it in as an intention and see what fe- what it feels like to listen with your whole body. Okay? With me so far? Okay. So listening with your whole body is what you will try when you're in a group. You will lose it now and then, and that's okay. You're not a failure. You're only human. You're normal, totally normal. It will come. It will go. It's a practice, okay? Listening with your whole body as much as possible. Listening, not interrupting. And this part of the sandbox today, as I'm suggesting, you not interrupting, and not thinking about the next smart, brilliant thing you're going to say. Oh, that's going to be so freeing. Check it out for yourself. In the past when I've done this exercise, even if I don't say this bit, people raise their hand and say, it was so great to just listen. Just listen, not think about what I was going to say. Take advantage of that. See how delicious it is, because socially we don't allow ourselves to experiment with that, to give the other person, the complete gift of our attention, right? It's such a gift to give the other person our complete attention, okay? So experiment with that. Listening, not interrupting, 
Okay, so feeling embodied, listening with your whole body in this exercise, not interrupting, okay? It's a monologue. And here's the third part. The third part is holding a space of kindness, listening with kindness, listening with kindness. Ah, And it's an exercise just to try it on. See what it feels like if you just listen with kindness to someone, as if they were your best friend, as if they could say nothing wrong, you know. And when judgments come up, thank you, I see you, thank you, I heard you, let them go. Just holding a space of kindness for this other human being who, just like you, has hopes and dreams, just like you, has struggles, just like you wants to do their best in the world, just listening with kindness. Okay? So that's the listening part. Got it? So listening with your whole body, not interrupting, holding a space of kindness. Okay? Yes? Okay. So that's the listening. Okay. So... Any questions about listening before I move on? Okay. Now, speaking. So as you're speaking and exploring this topic, okay, as you're exploring this topic, um, know that you're speaking for your own benefit only. You, the other people are just there to hold witness. They're serving you. They're holding witness for you, just listening to you. You're not speaking for them. You're not trying to educate them, to really tell them about yourself that much. It's really for your own benefit. They're serving you. Does that make sense? It changes the purpose of speaking, the way you're speaking. So it's like being held, like they're like mirrors, human mirrors. And it's quite powerful if you haven't experienced it in these exercises before, when you're being held witness in such a conscious way, it's really powerful. It's more powerful than thinking the thoughts in your own mind. It can even be more powerful than journaling when alive people are holding witness to what you're saying. And some people are nodding. They've, they know they've done this before. So, so as you're speaking, know you're speaking for your own self, for yourself, and try to stay embodied. Try to feel your body while you speak. Knowing that it's a little more difficult to stay embodied and speak. It's easier to do it for listening. It's a little more difficult for speaking. So you will lose it. It's fine. Don't chastise yourself. It's okay. Whenever you remember, come back. And I'll also announce it. Like, okay, come back. Come back. Okay? So... Does that make sense? Okay. So, so, and for those who are following this from home, I would still suggest that they do the practice of speaking and also the listening. I'm not quite sure. Well, the listening, I think, would be an aspect of practicing. The, the intensity of their practice would be really listening wholeheartedly to me at this point. So it will be a little different. Okay, so for those who are here, listening, stay embodied, no interruption, holding a space of kindness, 
And if you're at home, you can do that too. Holding a space of kindness. What does that mean? To listen with kindness. And when you're speaking, speak from your heart. And also another thing, um, speak, speaking from your heart, whatever is comfortable. You don't have to bear it all. You just say whatever is comfortable for you. You want to be held witness. Okay? This is for you again. So stay embodied as much as possible. Speak from your heart. Okay? All right. Any questions? Okay. So, so that's the process. And now for the content. It will be an invitation for each person to speak about what your values are in your work. How do you want to show up in the world? What do you want your your um, legacy to be? Because our work, it's not just our livelihood, the way we earn a living, but we spend so many hours of our day doing what we do. It's so important. That's why I was saying at the beginning, it can feel like a tender exploration because it's it's... It's a way we really express ourselves, express our humanity in the world, in relationship to other people. So what is your aspiration? So it's really an exploration of your aspiration. You're being held witness by others, expressing, speaking your aspirations. How do you want to show up? Who do you want to be? What do you want to leave? How do you want to affect others? So it's a free-form exploration of all of that. Okay. Any questions? Okay. All right. So the topic is the intentionality. What do you want to bring into the world? Knowing that your life is limited. Hello, we're all going to die in a hundred years. None of us are going to be in this room or anywhere in the world. Well, somewhere in the world, but our bodies. We have a limited time. Who do we want to be? How do we want to show up in in this short and precious life that we have? In our livelihood. Okay? So, all right. So now I'm going to invite you to get into groups of four or five. And if you came here with someone, I suggest you don't get into a group with them and explore talking with other people. And it's best if you're either all sitting on the uh, chair or all on a cushion, so levels are important. So um, please, self-organize, and if you need a group, if your group is incomplete, raise your hand, and this will always work out. Please go. Okay, so after you have the group, uh, don't start just yet. Don't start speaking just yet. I'm going to give more instructions. So, but if you're together, you can tell each other your name if you like, while other the other groups get formed. Great. 
all groups formed yet? Okay. In progress. And the fourth person is joining you. Perfect. Okay. Great. Okay. So I'm going to ask you now to close your eyes again. We're going to do just a brief meditation before we start. Just a brief meditation, like a minute or two. Ah, so as you're sitting in the group with your eyes closed, again, become embodied. Feel your body as you're sitting. Feeling, dropping down from your head into your body. And just witness and explore what is present here right now. It could be anxiety. There could be excitement. Could be a lot of different emotions or feelings in the body percolating. Just acknowledge them, make space for them. Nothing has to be any different. Making space. Ah, it's okay, it can be here. You can be here, whatever it is. Whatever it is can be here. Okay, and now, after having dropped in to your body, feeling your body some more, now, inviting a sense of goodwill for yourself. knowing that you are here because you care. That sense of caring or love for the world, for what you do, for your impact. That goodness, that goodness that is in you. And it might show up in so many different ways. It could have shown up as confusion, But seeing the goodness, the intentionality of the goodness underneath it all. Seeing the goodness. Recognizing it. And now recognizing, opening to the goodness in everyone. In your circle. Everyone in this circle just like you. They have hopes and dreams, intentions, values, just like you. They've had disappointments, they've had failures. They've had difficulty in their life and in their work. They're not so different from you. You might be able to see them in you or you in them. So with that, Holding them with kindness. Holding them with goodwill. Dear fellow travelers on this path, on this earth, I wish you well. I hold you with kindness and goodwill. Feeling the sense of kindness, loving kindness, metta. Expand and hold your circle. Ah, And open your eyes. Okay. Remember to stay embodied, listen with kindness, 
not interrupt. And the topic again is, what are your values? How do you want to serve in the world? What do you want your legacy to be be through your work? So, just to make it easier, whoever is closest to the altar, they'll be the first person to speak. Will you figure it out? And then go clockwise from there. And I will time you. I'll ring the bell in between people. So, please start. First person. Remember, actually, sorry, pause one second. One thing I was going to say, also part of your exploration, I'll give you each five minutes. I think five minutes would be a good time to explore. You think it's a long time. It's not. It's not. It will go so quickly. And believe me, I'll feel the room. If it's shorter, anyway, if you, anyway. Also, what I was going to say, part of your intention, you can also speak about what brings you here today. And that's an important one to share, if you wish. What really brings you here today? What is your intention for being here today? Okay, please now start. Remember to stay embodied. Remember to hold space of kindness.
bringing the monologue to a close. And taking a pause now, closing your eyes again, and just checking inwardly in this practice. (sighs) Checking inside. What's coming up, whether you were listening or you were speaking? What's present? What kind of thoughts are coming up? It's really becoming aware of them, mindful of them, making space for whatever is present in the mind or the body. If you're more relaxed, more anxious, whatever it is, just becoming aware of what is happening. Not trying to push it away or jumping into it. Just recognizing, oh, it's like this right now. Okay. All right. And in a moment, we'll open our eyes and remember, today is a micro version, it's a sandbox of your work. Can you be wholeheartedly engaged in this exercise? What would it feel like pulling out, not being wholeheartedly engaged? Maybe experiment with that for a second or two, just to see what it feels like in your body. Is that nourishing? Is that supportive? What really makes you feel alive and engaged and happy? So now, please open your eyes and the next person.
Okay, bringing the monologue to a close. And, and closing your eyes one more time to check in to see what is arising right now, what is present, what thoughts are coming up, what emotions, what sensations in the body, and whatever is coming up. It's a part of this practice, making space for it. If the thoughts are, oh, I shouldn't have said that, oh, I said this, or oh, whatever is coming up, simply knowing. Ah, okay, I see you. Thank you. I see you. Ah. And again, the next person speaking about what brings you here. What is your intention? How do you want to show up in the world? And if you're at home, and if you've already done the speaking part, you may want to journal. This is a really good time to journal for the people watching on the web. Remember, stay embodied, whether you're listening, speaking, or writing. If you're listening uninterrupted, and also listen with kindness and goodwill. This is a practice. See if you can engage wholeheartedly. Next person, third person, please. Start.
bringing the monologue to a close. And taking a pause again. Noticing what's arising in this body, in this mind. As you check in now, really feel embodied. Check in with your body. Take a pulse. Ah, yeah. What is happening inside, internally, in the mind space? Can you become aware? That awareness itself. Now again, the fourth person will speak, will have a monologue, and the people listening, to feel embodied, to listen with your whole body. Can you make that a practice? Can you really try that? See what it feels like to listen with your whole body, with kindness. What is it like? Please start.
bringing the monologue to a close, taking a pause, and checking in again. Checking in one more time, what's arising? Whether you just spoke, you listen, checking into the body, keep coming back to the body. I cannot emphasize that enough. Keep coming back to the body. It seems so simple. And yet, that's the secret teaching. Keep coming back to the body. There is so much in the body. It tells you what is happening and what needs to happen next. Making space. Making space in the body. Making space. Not reacting from a place of reactivity, but from wisdom, spaciousness. So for the groups of four, you'll have time now for a conversation, open conversation in the group which is even more difficult practice to stay embodied and hold space of kindness, listen and speak with kindness. For groups of five, the fifth person now will have the chance to share. Okay? Remember, it's not just about the content you're sharing. It's really the process you're experimenting with, taking it on for size, what it feels like to listen with kindness, with your whole body. What is that like? Okay? Please start.
bringing the monologue or dialogue to a close. And taking a pause again, a last pause. Checking in, checking in with your body again. What's happening? What's arising after the monologue or dialogue? This is really important. That's why we do it every time. Checking in with the body. I cannot emphasize this enough. Ah, what is here? What's present? And allow whatever is here to be held spaciously. It's all okay. Even if it doesn't feel okay. Exploring the okayness, being okay in the midst of everything. Midst of okay, midst of everything. That deep, deep sense of well-being and support that can be there. Spaciousness. Fearlessness. Can hold all experience. Now open your eyes and thanking all your partners for engaging with you in this exploration. Yeah. And coming back to the big group where you were sitting, please. I see a mass exodus for the bathroom. Um, we we're going to de- debrief. So tell you what, um, decisions, decisions to take a break now. Um, you know, we have the momentum. We're, I'm going to continue, but if you need to go, please take care of your bodies. I will have a break in about 10 minutes, but, but, um, but I think I like to hear a little bit. So yes, yeah, so if you can hold it for 10 minutes, please do. If not, please go. Take care of your bodies. So, what what did you discover in this exercise? What did you learn? What did you discover about both the content, the topic as you were speaking, listening to yourself speak, and hearing other people, as well as the process, the way that this practice was held, you were invited to do it. So, yeah, and right in front. Hold on, wait over the mic and hold it close. Hi, my name is Melinda. I felt a great need to be understood and and some self-centeredness in in that I was understood. And um, then I had kind of an aha moment that maybe everybody else in the group really needed to be understood too. And um, I tend to be interactive when I listen. I want to make a comment and maybe not wait until the end of what they had to say. I wanted to show them pretty much eagerly 
early on that I was understanding by making some interactive comments. And then later I was unsure if I should have interrupted their speaking time or not. Yeah, yeah. And so for the purpose of this exercise, it is exactly intended to make you aware of these tendencies, these habitual tendencies, wanting, wanting to do it, and just doing it. So now, wait a minute, actually, is this wise? Is this wise to do? So it actually challenges you to see those habitual patterns that you never question, right? And not to judge yourself like, oh, I failed, I interrupted people. You know, this is a sandbox, okay? No one was hurt. And and you now have this awareness like, wow, that is so profound. And and should I have done that? Actually, that is my habitual tendency. And that was not the instruction in this in this exercise. In fact, oh, I see that. I do that all the time. So it makes you really aware of that. It really shines the light of awareness to this habitual pattern, which may not be appreciated in the world. People may not want you to interrupt every two seconds to, to, for them to know you get them. Like maybe just you're just listening with rapt attention. They know you, you're hearing them. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. What else? What else did you observe right here? Um, A little bit to that point, instead of having a fear of public speaking, I have a bit of a fear of personal speaking. Um, And so... Other people are nodding their head. Thank (laughs) you for hanging through, hanging in there. Yeah, Yeah, I was like, five minutes. Oh, that's a little bit terrifying to to, um, fill that space. Um, But it's very powerful to have people who are invested in bearing witness, as you said, um, so feeling supported as the person being in the position to have to speak. <laughs> nice, nice. I love hearing what you said, to feel supported. And and also, another thing that I'm getting in that, you, you didn't say the word, but empowered. It's empowering. Like, oh, I don't want to do this. It's a little me, five minutes. And then... Ah, these beautiful human beings are holding witness. It's empowering. Thank you. Yeah, great. What else? Right in front of you. Uh, in our group... Hold it closer even. In our group, um, a couple folks became very vulnerable and shared some deeply personal things from their life. And I noticed just an opening. It was easier for me to drop into my body when they were being that open and vulnerable. And when folks were kind of like going through the mental Rolodex about their jobs, I felt my body like shut down and I I felt myself go more into my mind. So that raises a question for me about how to actually apply this type of technique in an office setting where I think a lot of us, our meetings are designed to share ideas in a depersonalized way. Yeah, We're actually yeah. trained as women in particular, if you want to be taken seriously to kind of strip away your whole self and speak in this like mentally detached voice. So I, I think it's actually quite a struggle to do this in workplaces that are designed to avoid it. Yeah. Thank you. Hold on to that for a moment. I'm so glad you brought this in. Um, actually, hold on to the mic for a second. Let's, let's, <clears throat> so, 
episode where I'm really glad you're bringing it in is, is how you actually felt in your body when another person was being authentic and just vulnerable and open and you really dropped in. You're in, you're in different space and, and when they were kind of in their head, oh, you kind of went into the head space too and you were not so embodied anymore. And ah, how are you? So that then makes you wonder, how do I show up at work? And how can I, the way that I show up, can inspire other people to show up? Because the way you speak, the way you are, it will, other people will react, will, you know, we affect each other. It's amazing how powerful this interaction is. Um, we're so interconnected, so interconnected. So, so, and as you point out, the culture seems to, there, um, encourage to be kind of disembodied. Yeah. Just get the work done. And, and what if you brought your entire whole self? What if, what if you were embodied? You were the person who invited that and promoted that in the workplace. That's a huge insight. Thank you. This is beautiful because I, I'm repeating it also for everyone to hear because again, one way I like to teach is there is so much wisdom in this room. There is so much wisdom in this room. Ah, to bring it up and really, how can you show up and how can you, by the way you are showing up and interacting and being in, at your workplace, affect others? It's, tra- it's transformative. I have stories to tell, but yeah, I think I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, thank you. What else? What else came up right there? Thank you. Ah. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, so I don't know if I can articulate this very well. I talked about this a little bit in the group, but I'm having a little bit of an odd experience where, first of all, I'm noticing myself resisting this idea of embodiment. I've gone through a very interesting process over the last seven months where an incredible number of things have come together in a good Mm -hmm. way, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I my life has really blossomed, and... At the same time, what I'm noticing is that actually I'm not very drawn to being embodied or it feels good not to even be thinking about whether or not I am embodied. I do have a long history of meditation practice. I'm not feeling particularly drawn to formal practice right now, Uh but I actually feel Mm -hmm. much more present in my life, but it I'm not sure that it's necessarily the kind of embodied presence that you're talking about. So what I noticed in myself was this judgment coming up, like maybe I'm doing it all wrong. But I don't know, it just seems like an unusual kind of thing where I actually feel more present, but I'm not that focused. And the other piece is like just one other tidbit is that in the past I struggled a lot with anxiety for example so I was very much aware of the tension in my body that's gone Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I don't know maybe it's also that I'm just not focused preoccupied by it but maybe there's a little more embodiment than I realize Mm -hmm. I don't know so I'm a little confused yeah great thank you for sharing that confusion yeah so um couple of things come up as I, as I listen to you. One is, um, if, if there was a history in the past that there was a lot of anxiety and embodiment was a way to deal with that anxiety. So it could be, 
um, that the idea of embodiment is now somewhat um, tied to the idea of anxiety. It's like, oh, I don't want to go there. It's just, it's kind of, it's become tinged with a unpleasant feeling, right? They've been hooked together. So right now, maybe that's what's coming up. There's no, and it's it's not so much on the conscious level. It just shows up as an unconscious level of ooh, unpleasant areas, embodiment, anxiety, yicky. I just don't want to go there. I'm perfectly happy how, how this is. So so stays on the level of like. Um, resistance, aversion, because you're not kind of seeing the detangling. And it's okay. You don't have to force yourself. But if you start to see that, and you having just woken up, actually, and having the courage to say, you know, I'm resisting. What's what's up with that? That actually allows you to start seeing, oh, yeah, maybe they are connected. Oh, look at that. And not trying to, like, pull it apart, because that ain't going to work. But starting to see, like, oh, yeah, to, oh, I see. And little by little, but keep seeing them, keep seeing them. Maybe the, they'll become dissociated. But no need to push it right now. If it's, if, you know, whatever is nurturing, nourishing, supportive for you in this day long, that's fine. And, yeah. See, one more thing. Yeah, um, please. Thank you. Sure. I'll, I'll look at that. Uh, one other piece of it for yeah. me, I think historically there's been sort of this, I've had a hard time sort of finding that self-awareness is good, self-consciousness is not great. And I think that for me, a lot of like, what am I feeling in my body? It also ah. involved, involved a kind of self-focus and oh, self-consciousness that isn't there now. Like I feel right. that these days I'm much more able to look out into the world and engage with the world. But again, it's interesting because it doesn't seem to be connected in a very right. deep way with embodiment. So I'll just keep, right. I mean, I guess what you're saying is just keep exploring. Keep exploring. And also again, what you just said is another piece of the puzzle is another piece of self-consciousness being attached to self to self-awareness they're different right you can be completely self-aware and not self-conscious at all ah it's like this ah self self-consciousness is kind of extra it's like extra baggage added so i'm so glad you're bringing awareness to all this and my hope for you is they do become as you keep bringing more and more awareness they become unentangled and there can just be awareness um and maybe besides looking here's here's, a, here's an invitation that as we're exploring embodiment maybe just try your hands because it's not your trunk and maybe anxiety and self-consciousness was all just try your hands can i be aware of my hands like right or just the feet just kind of like something neutral exactly neutral parts of your body and and may that grow you're welcome. So there is a lot more in the room, and there's a lot more I want to explore, but I also want to give you a little break. So what to do, what to do. Maybe one last comment, and then we'll take a take a break. Any last comments? Anything else you observed in this process this morning? Either the process or the content? Oh, yes. Well, two. Okay, so we'll make them quick. Hi, I'm Lilla. Hi, Lilla. Um, I noticed that um, for me, in my own story, I, there's a lot of not being compassionate with um, my perceived livelihood issues. <laughs> but it was very easy to be compassionate with everybody else in the group so that by the time I got around to myself and I spoke last, I felt even though 
as I told them, there's still a lot of charge there for me, that it was easier to speak clearly about it, which is sometimes hard for me, um, just getting lost in my head. And so the staying present and also noticing the compassion for everyone else's stories helped yeah. me speak and think clearly about my own. Nice. Thank you for sharing that. Building on that same idea, I noticed in the embodied element, I think I've heard compassion defined as sort of the quivering of the heart in response to others' pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, in that moment after people spoke, I noticed that that physical sensation was there, something in the chest around the heart of a feeling of tenderness, I guess, yeah. or openness. Um, and then when I spoke, I noticed in that same region, <laughs> my heart rate rising very quickly in talking about some of the challenging things. Mm-hmm. And um, and I had a moment of thinking about, maybe I should try to calm this. And then I thought, well, no, this is what happens when I talk about this. Um, and it just, it just is. But it was very clear in that region, the listening had a lot of impact, as did speaking. Mm-hmm. Nice. Thank you. And I appreciate the aspects of compassion and care really coming in and, and embodiment. And, and we'll explore that more this afternoon. Um, so this is really juicy and interesting, as you've I've already probably explored in the groups. And, and it seemed like, and at the beginning, like, oh, five minutes is too long. And, and I was keeping, you know, I was listening. And people were talking. There's a lot of sharing. Um, and I'm sure there is a lot more. So, so, and I know, um, so for those who want to go to the bathroom, let's take a bio break. We'll come back. So uh, let's take a bio break for 15 minutes. Um, and come back at, uh, 10 past. Um, and I'll share more teachings and then we'll, we'll break for lunch around 1230. And there's a lot more. So yeah, let's take a little break.
Okay. Welcome back. So, <clears throat> um, I had originally thought about having the uh, lunch bakery around twelve thirty, but I think maybe we'll do it at two twelve forty, twelve forty-five. Let's see how, so that we have at least another thirty minutes of more um, more exploration together. So, is that okay? Is that all right? Okay. So, um, so what I wanted to do. Um, in the time we have is to share some some thoughts, some reflections about wise livelihood, what it actually means, what it entails, some reflections. And before I do that, though, I wanted to to uh, make a little more space available for the reflections from the interactive guided exercise, because there were comments, um, wonderful comments that came up insights that came up from the process, which, yay, I was really, really happy about, because that is the purpose of these interactive exercises, um, that you, as you're doing them, you realize, oh, the way I show up at work, I mean, that's the teaching, that is the lesson. The way you show up, for example, makes a difference. The the way, um, you know, it can open your heart also to compassion for yourself or others. So, so through the the exercise, these insights come up without me having to blah, blah, blah. You just realize it yourself. So that's really important. And I would also like to make more space for anyone who'd like to comment about the content as you actually, not just the process of listening and, and speaking mindfully and with kindness, but at the, but speaking your intention, your values about work, how you want to show up, what you want to do in the world, how you want to be. Um, and affect others, and hearing other people talk about that, um, how that was for you. Would love to hear a couple comments about that, please. Yes, and hold on one sec. Technical difficulty with the microphone. There you go, over there. Um, since the instructions were <clears throat> that um, um, we're speaking for ourselves, um, I, I I already know that I've been meditating for thirty years, so yeah. I didn't say that. Uh-huh. But, but, but but what I thought was really interesting was, and I'm having these aha moments. Um, I've been home for five years because I retired five years ago. Yeah. About four and four months, four or five months ago, I started volunteering, and I just show up and I'm very present in my volunteer work. Now, again, I've been out of the workforce for five years, so it's really fascinating to watch people shift around me just by my presence. It, it shifts the whole environment. And I was like, "Whoa!" And it's really neat to see. I'm like, "Is that me?" <laughs> but it's not me per se, but but it, it, there there is a shift. Yeah, and, and yeah. Um, I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. At the same time, there's a level of, um, as I was telling the group, I want to go back and get a part time job just to keep myself busy, mm-hmm. a professional mm-hmm. job. Yeah. And um, 
But at the same time, it's like, oh, I don't want to deal with personalities again and go with personalities again, you know? And so there's resistance. Yeah. But then, so this whole thing is like, okay, but if I'm really present, I just need to stay in that and then let's see how it works out because it'll be a process. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Yeah. So in a way, the one thought that comes up for me as I listen to you is, in fact, you would be a gift the way you would show up and hold your presence. You would be a gift to the personalities, you know, people who are having a difficult time at work because you will be the, you know, as, as Thich Nhat Hanh has this, this great um, uh, story of, of or, or teaching that, you know, um, with, with the boat people leaving Vietnam and, and if one person on the boat, if, if the boat uh, hits rough seas and the boat is about to capsize, if everybody panics, the boat is going to capsize. If there is one person who's steady, that person's steadiness will calm everybody else, will have an amazing effect, and the boat will have much higher chance of not capsizing and surviving. So you can be the gift of that person with everyone panicking, like, okay, changing the environment. Because we can do that. We, we underestimate our ability. We really do. As long as, there are other things I want to share, as long as there is no, not so much attachment to outcome, right? Has to be your way, has to be the right way, has to be this thing. As long as there's not so much attachment to outcome through equanimity, not apathy, but equanimity, then the process actually becomes even more important than the product the product becomes the way people are are shifted and change the interactions change. So the work environment becomes your product, not just whatever it is you're producing in the world. Pretty cool. It is cool. And and that's the imagery that I always hold in my head yeah. is that story. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the boat and just need one person yeah. and yeah. I go in there. And it's easier to do in my household. And, you know, I've had people walk in my home and go, whoa, it's really calm in here. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's really cool that they can feel that. Yeah. But, but, but in a, an environment where there's like 20 or 30 people, you know, yeah. it, it's like, okay. And so anyway, you just need to keep going back. It's, keep, going back. keep going back. So it's and, a, it's and a it, different level of learning. It's a different level of learning, and, and it's wise livelihood. It's not just the what you do, but you how you do it. That's what I want to emphasize today. We'll talk about the what, but the how is even more important in that way. How you do it, how you show up intentionally. Yeah, thank you for that reflection. Other thoughts, reflections about the content right there. Um, well, one of the things in our group that came up was that the content had a theme. So we all had sort of this burnout theme um, and uh, and how we were in different areas of our lives that um, we had either gone, gone into a time of uh, refreshment or were considering it or we're considering going back. Um, for me, I'm a hospital chaplain, and so 
Um, I, I've had these kinds of exercises about listening. Great. Great. Um, but the hard part is maintaining that with when you have a, a large workload. Yeah. And also the difficulty can be in with your colleagues. So, um, I like what you just said about not being invested in the outcome because I find for me that's like, I, this judgment comes up that like, oh no, it's not supposed to be that way, you know, and then I have a hard time being present for my colleagues because I have this agenda. Right. And so that's difficult, I think, sometimes to let that go when you feel like you're ideas maybe the best idea <laughs> and um so but i'm really hopeful about what you've said about the one person mm-hmm. making it calm for everybody else and i'm so excited about learning the things here that i can bring back to yeah. the workplace lovely so thank, thank you. you um yeah so much in what you said and, and a couple of things to pick up on one is the the need for refreshment either, you know, at some point, and, and that's part of being human, to to not think that we're superhuman and we'll just work, work, work all the time. No, there is, there is need, especially being in the Bay Area, <laughs> you know, with the work culture, like, yes, you work and work and work and you're supposed to not take t- time any off and you get a s- star if, if you have accrued uh, time off that you haven't taken over years, like, how crazy is that, <laughs> Right? To, to know that you need time for refreshment, not just maybe pay time off, but also maybe at times taking time off, if, if, if your life allows to take time for reflection. Um, and, and, then, and then going back, as you were saying, missing being in the world in that way and, and exploring. And, you know, um, I know many people who don't need to work and work because that's the way we show up in the world. And we give to the world and we interact. There was another thing in what you said I wanted to tease out. Um, oh, yes, the the attachment or lack of attachment to outcome. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that because that's another important thing. That This is great. I mean, these are some of the points I was going to get to in my mini lecture anyway. So it's it's here anyway. It's, it's kind of more relevant and what's coming in, in the room because it's all relevant. Um, so... So true, your idea, or your idea, or any of your ideas might be the best at any given time. And it may not happen. It may not be what gets implemented or is given rise. And, and to be okay with that, to make peace with, with the outcome being born not out of just your responsibility. Of course you have responsibility. You have agency in the world. But the outcome is born out of many causes and conditions. So many causes and conditions. And your intentionality, what you bring in, what your ideas is just one part of it. But to see this, this connected web, interconnected web that makes anything happen. That it's not all on your shoulders. It's not just all you. It's so many different things. So many things that are, are not even um, explicit, but they're implicit. It it's it just boggles one's mind. All these, you know, in Buddhism we call them causes and conditions. All these links of humanity that we don't even see. Um, 
one thing that I'll give one example of one study. There's so many various studies, but but there was the study that um, the, um, I'll mention it briefly without a lot of details. But um, it was a study in the court um, that the rate um, right before lunch, when the when the judge is feeling very hungry, hungry, and the blood sugar is going down, right around that time. The rate of the percentage, and this study was done very thoroughly. The percentage of people getting paroled or getting a leaner, leaner sentence went down. So, if you're a lawyer, no matter how well you're prepared, like, how, or you know, how do you make up for the time slot? You're going to end up with this. You know, the person is going to be more hangry, like hungry, angry, right? It's the blood sugar. It's not you. It's not. It's just. It's this body when it's. Hungry, blood sugar goes down, becomes a little more, ah, all of us. It's not personal, right? So coming back to, yes, my idea is the best idea. It has like so many causes and conditions. This person just had a fight with their partner last night. This person is hangry. That person is like so much comes together. This person, this is their trigger point. In childhood, they, you know, they never saw, were seen in this way. And now it's just like the full catastrophe, like, right? So lack of attachment to outcome, you do your best. You still show up the best you can. And knowing that there are all these causes and conditions, a lack of attachment to outcome, you, you still do your best. Yeah, thank you. Other reflections? here. So work can often feel like this tremendous well of negativity. Mm. Um, and w- whether that's negativity coming from coworkers or I work in a public-facing organization, so there's a lot of negativity coming from the public. Mm. And as I'm thinking more intentionally about it, I, there's a strong desire to just push that negativity away, especially when I'm not there. Yeah. Like even today, it's a Sunday, I don't want to think about work. Sure. Or even just when I'm not there, I don't want to think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I recognize that there are, there must be more skillful ways of dealing with that, um, that aren't just pushing it away. Yeah. That allow, some interaction with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I appreciate you bringing it up. And I'll say a little bit about it, and we'll explore it more this afternoon. So I'm going to ask you to, to hold this um, and and also hold me responsible if we don't completely address your concern this afternoon. And that would be in the area of opening to compassion. Because... Difficulty, as you said, one way is to like push it away, don't see you, you're like don't want to deal with you. The other one is actually let it break your heart, let it actually open your heart to compassion, both for yourself because it is difficult what you're sharing. Like, ouch, this is a difficult situation you're describing for you. You don't want to, you know, it's a well of negativity. This work environment, ouch, dear being. So allowing that for yourself, that this is hard. 
How can I be? How can I take care of myself? How can I care for myself? And for others also. So one way becomes compassion. I mean, the, the only way is really compassion for yourself and for your co-workers and for the, for the situation. And, and also the practice of equanimity. Being in it without being overwhelmed by it. So those I like to, to discuss more this afternoon. So is it okay to, okay, put on a post-it. Okay, let's, we'll come back to it. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else before I move on? Over here, please. Mike coming your way at the end. Thank you, by the way. Um, I think the observation I had was when you asked about intentionality at work, um, the two things that for me are really important are a culture of learning yeah, and um, unlocking the full potential of the team of the person you work with. Yeah. However, at the same time, listening, shall we say, has always been a challenge for me. And so listening is an art, and if, it, if that doesn't happen, you can never learn. And so I think it, today's a gift, and that way just sort of a, just personally, your intentionality and how you behave are so locked, but yeah. it's so obvious now when you, when I sound through the mic here. So, but it, but it's great. So thank you for the reminder. Great. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Yeah. Great. So, so thank you all for sharing the reflections about both the process and the, um, the content that we've explored so far and feels like it's already been rich. But wait, there is more. There's a lot more that we're going to explore today. So so I want to sh- spend a little bit of time now sharing um, some um, definitions, some, some explorations, some thoughts for you to drop in um, and also to over lunch maybe contemplate them, let them swim in you. Um, it's a good chance as, as you eat lunch, as you hopefully go for a walk, it's a lovely day, to let these ideas that I'll be sharing kind of percolate through and see what comes up, what questions, reflections um, come up. And you might even actually choose to, to go for a walk with, with someone from this workshop, either a friend or someone you meet, and just have an exploration about these, these ideas. Because uh, again, what I'm inviting you to consider today as a microversion of work, and can you be wholeheartedly engaged, wholeheartedly in this day, really? So, so work, our work as a sacred offering to the world, really a sacred offering of what we do, offering your, ourselves to the world, offering our time to the world. Um, and in the Buddha's teaching on prosperity, so there is such a thing as, there's a book called Buddha's Teaching on Prosperity um, by Bhikkhu um, Basnagoda Rahula, uh, that there is a quote from the scriptures, from the numerical discourses, that is translated as, the layperson's objective is to live a long and dignified life with the wealth Obtained through rightful means. So what I'm, I, what I appreciate about that, let me read it again. The layperson's objective 
is to live a long and dignified life with the wealth obtained through rightful means. So there's a lot in there. Um, one is that the layperson, we're all lay people, we're not monks, and of course teaching the monks are different, they're mendicants. And to live a long and dignified life, there's a sense of dignity in livelihood. Um, with the wealth, so money here is not poo-pooed. There's nothing wrong with money and wealth um, as it's obtained through rightful means and appreciated. And the whole idea of wise livelihood, actually. Um, and it, the wise livelihood is one of the eight steps of the Eightfold Path, which are the teachings that the Buddha shared for liberation, for freedom. There are eight steps Wise livelihood, right livelihood, is one of them. So it's so important. Having a livelihood, that is wise, both in order for you to take care of yourself, your family, your loved ones, and to offer your gifts to the world. So it's so important that it's up there with with wise mindfulness, right mindfulness, and right, wise intention, and and wise concentration, and wise effort. It's It's in there with all of those. Oh, wise livelihood. Interesting. So, so that, as lay people especially, gives us a sense that wise livelihood is really a practice. It's just as important a practice as sitting on a cushion with your eyes closed. Going to work is just as important as practice, as as the reflection and 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 whatever practices that we do. So. That to me, it, it lights up, it empowers livelihood, wise livelihood as a practice, as, as a practice in and of its own right. You're practicing when you go to work. It's not like, oh, I have to do this thing, it's my work, and then, oh, whew, and then I can go and sit on my cushion and meditate, and that's the real practice. No, your work is your practice. Your work, your offering in the world is your practice. They're not separate. They're the same thing. And part of what we explored this morning is actively how can you actually embody that, make it, make your work into how you show up in the world. And we'll explore more of those in the afternoon also. So just this idea that there's the same thing, the same way that at some point your life becomes your practice. It's not like, oh, okay, I was good, I sat. Okay, now I'm going to get into the world and, and get in the car. Oh, don't get in front of me. That doesn't happen. Like after all, you, after a while, you know that the way you drive becomes your practice. And if somebody cuts in front of you, oh, may you be well, may you be happy. You're really in a hurry this morning, aren't you? Okay, all right, may you be well instead of jerk, right? <laughs> You, you change. The way you drive becomes part of your practice. The way you are, the way you work, it all becomes part of who you are. There's no separation. All becomes part of your intentionality of how you, who you want to be, how you want to show up. There's a saying in, in, um, Zen, before, uh, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood carry water. It's the same thing. You should still show up in the world. You don't go sit on the top of some mountain. Okay, I'm done. Awakened. 
Still chop wood, carry water. Same thing. But the way you do it is going to be very different. The way you will chop wood and carry water. As it becomes your practice, as you recognize my work is my practice. It's the way I show up in the world. I interact with the people. It's a different way. You embody it with different intentionality, both for yourself and for others, with care, with love, with devotion, with compassion, both for yourself and for others. And as you already know, and just to remind you, that spiritual practice is more about questions than answers. So here we are, Today, it's more about questioning, wondering, asking, dropping in the right questions than getting all the answers. I'm not here to give you the answers. I'm just here to suggest things to contemplate, reflect on, see how you can bring them in. Keep reflecting, keep questioning, keep wondering. The definition of wise livelihood um, there's one def- there are many different definitions and we'll talk about it in a moment one of the most extensive definitions which i appreciate is by marty bedo m a r t i bedo b e d d o e who's the founder of right livelihoods and what i love in her explanation that she pulls in all the different aspects of the Eightfold Path as expressed through life, right livelihood, wise livelihood. So I'd like to share that with you. I think it's, it really encapsulates what we've been talking about, and I'd like you to, to bring that in as you're reflecting over lunch. So, so sharing um, her definition, actually I'm not sure if it's a he or a she, their definition, sharing their definition, more woke. Um, the um, so they say that um, wise livelihood means avoiding any life that brings shame, and it embodies the seven steps, the other seven steps along the eightfold path. So here are the other seven steps and how they get pulled in, which is a really lovely way of thinking about them. So right view or wise perspective, wise view, right perspective, yeah, right view, wise perspective, different ways for this one um, uh, part of the one element of the Eightfold Path. So right view or wise perspective in this way, in, in the way of wise livelihood, means um, love and devotion through work. So the wise perspective is love and devotion through work. So that's, it's a different perspective to bring in. It's a wise perspective to take on in your livelihood. Love and devotion. Okay? So it might be good to write these down. Would somebody be my scribe, please? Thank you. Thank you so much. Actually, yeah, no, you can just go over. You can just go over. You don't have to... Sh- yeah, yeah. You can just go over. Yeah. I think that will work great. So, so wise livelihood. Um, 
And then the first one is um, right view, or let's say wise perspective, either one. So it involves love and devotion. Involves love and devotion through work. So consider that. Consider that as a perspective. How can you have that perspective in your work? Love and devotion. Love. How can that be a perspective that you take on for work? Love, wisdom, devotion. So the second step of, of um, the path, right mindfulness, in this case means consciously choosing your path and your work. So right mindfulness becomes consciously choosing your path and your work. So it's a sense of consciousness in choosing your path and your work. So first we have the perspective of love and devotion, and now mindfulness gets expressed as consciously choosing your path and your work. And as I share these, kind of let them settle in you for a moment. What does that mean in my life? Right mindfulness, mindfully choosing my path and my work. The third one, right understanding or wise understanding, either wise or right. Some people like to translate samma as right. Some people translate samma as wise. So wise understanding or right understanding, the third one, involves consciously choosing work that is the best of ourselves and having knowledge of our values. So right understanding, sorry, evolves, I, I misread that, evolves from consciously choosing work that is best of ourselves and having knowledge our values. So the understanding is really, this becomes kind of a, an inner exploration of what your values are. Who are you? What is important to you? Which is what we tried to cover this morning. What is important to you? Who do you want to be? What, how do you want to show up? And letting that inform, letting your values inform the work that you choose. Okay. Was that? Can you read that? Yes, apparently people can. So that's great. Thank you. Okay, great. All right, next one. Fourth one. Thank you for being the scribe. This is great. The fourth one. Is, is right speech, right speech or wise speech either, right speech. And this implies compassion relating to others through our work. So it involves compassion and kindness relating to others through our work. So I would say, in her definition, she has, in their definition, they have compassion as an aspect of why speech. 
I would also say wise listening, wholehearted listening, which is what we explored this morning. So not just listening with kindness, but wholehearted listening, really listening, not interrupting, not planning what you're going to say next, but really listening, wholeheartedly listening. So why speech or right speech is particularly important, which is the aspect that we kind of started with this morning, because as pointed out, we all spend time talking with others at work, speaking, listening, right? It's, it's part of our human interaction. It's the way we show up in the world. So... Um, so that if I could highlight just one out of all the other, well, actually, they're all important, but this one particularly important. Next one, right concentration or wise concentration means doing work with care and intense awareness and love. So again, right concentration, another step of the Eightfold Path. implies doing your work with care and intense awareness and love. And I would say that the wholeheartedness also relates to this one also. There's a wholeheartedness here, which is concentration, devotion. And right action, couple more left. Right action, something we discussed earlier, right action implies doing your work and having no attachment to the results. Right action implies doing your work and having no attachment to the results. And the last one, right effort, or wise effort, is the speed okay for you, dear scribe? Okay. And the right effort, the last one, is about choosing work you can do your whole life, keeping yourself in a state of constant learning and beginner's mind. So right effort. It's about choosing work you can do your whole life, keeping yourself in a state of constant learning and beginner's mind, not the expert's mind, the beginner's mind. Don't be an expert. Don't be an expert. Have the beginner's mind. That's how you can continue to grow and learn. So they say the bottom line is work that is work that embodies love, devotion and service is as much an attitude as the action we take. I love that. Yeah, happily. The bottom line is work that embodies love, devotion 
and service is as much an attitude as the actions we take. So it's as much an attitude. And that's what really here today is a day of really setting our attitude. What is our attitude towards work? How do we show up? How, who do we want to be? How do we interact? It's about that attitude of care, love, devotion, non-attachment to outcome, compassion, wholeheartedness. Thank you. And I think now might be a good time actually to put them all in the, all on the, yeah, maybe actually somewhere where people can see it uh, before. Do you, do you need a hand? Actually, somebody else volunteered to also help her out too, so that we can put pull all of these up. So, which is what you had wanted to do in t- first in the first place. Great. Okay. So, yeah, that's great. Ah, last sheet. Look at that. I think there's one right behind it, though. That's good. Great. So, so, so some, so these, these eight steps of the eightfold path. So I invite you to, to consider them, to think about them as we, as you sit, as you walk, take your lunch. That's great. Visible. Yeah, great. Thank you. Great. Any questions before we move on? Yeah, please. I think you do need a mic, and the mic is coming right up. And then... Thank you. I guess this relates a little to the question that was asked earlier about yeah. negativity, negativity at work. Um, and in particular, if you're feeling negative about your work, um, I guess I'm curious if bringing sort of love or devotion through the work, I guess I can kind of see that. I, but if you feel no love or devotion to the, the actions that you're doing or to the environment or, um, I guess there's a tension. I feel some yeah. aversion because yeah, yeah, of course. this is like my, what I would like. Yeah. And then there's the, um, you know, I was just, for example, yeah. intense awareness, love, et cetera, wise concentration to a task that is, I don't believe important. I don't believe has any value. I believe may actually have the opposite of value. Like, I guess, yeah. How do you bring this into a context where you question some of, where there's not an alignment with your values? Yeah. Or, yeah, so I return the question back to you. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, for me now, this is something I'm questioning about yeah. whether that is the environment yeah. I want to be in. And yeah. there's certainly some elements of the work yeah. where I can bring these things to bear. And then there's others where um, I tend to just sit with being embodied because... That's like as much as I can do is feel that aversion or yeah. um, just be aware of the fact that this isn't in line with my values. And um, so I can be aware of it. I'm not sure about shifting it towards these in some elements of the work, although in other elements it is possible. 
Yeah, yeah. And I th- and what I'm hearing you say, with that light of awareness being shown that there are aspects of this work that are not aligned with my values. Some are, some aren't. So that becomes... That's why you're here, reflecting about this. And it's not for me to say, really, it's not for me to say at all whether this is appropriate for you or not, whether the environment can change or not. This is, it's really your own exploration. I can only provide the questions and the context, and the work is yours, as you know. I guess one final. Yeah, I've heard, I've read Wise Livelihood discussed in terms of... Um, I was thinking more along like the five precepts almost, or like uh, that there are certain livelihoods that aren't wise. Yes, Um, exactly. There are other livelihoods that are. Um, Yeah, and how much was, for me, partly reflecting on whether or not the livelihood or the institution that I'm in is in fact a wise right. livelihood in that sense. Exactly, right, yeah. So there are a couple of levels to that, and I was going to get um, get that to that later, but okay, um, just, just very briefly, and okay, we have to stop, hard stop at one for lunch. <laughs> is that okay, you guys? Yes? Anyone who's not okay, please tell me. Okay, all right, okay, seven more minutes, we'll have a hard stop. There's so much stuff to cover and discuss. This is juicy. So, so there are aspects. Um, there are, um, various, um, I have a list of them, things that are not wise livelihoods. So any work, um, having to do with killing people, um, or, or, um, uh, creating weapons or, um, uh, dealing, um, with, um, with, with, uh, like, um, um, shoot, where is the, the list I have the fullest, but for example, like um, um, uh, selling and buying people, things like that. It's just kind of obvious. Uh, having to um, work that has to do with with intoxicants, selling um, intoxicants. So you know, having to do with basically the five precepts. You know, essentially the the the. So those are not right livelihood. So that's kind of like the lowest bar. Right, that's kind of like the low, low, low bar, right? So, but higher than that, then there is work that is, um, so, so anything below that, above that bar is like something that you can feed yourself and your family is right livelihood above that bar. But then how about going a little higher than bar, that bar, that there's another bar of how can you actually thrive and be aligned with your values and, and, and give to the world in that way. So that those are the bars. So you can find where you are along those bars and where you want to be. And you may not, you know, might be a different place than you want to be at some point and express it in a different way. But yes, there are those different bars. So now we're going deeper than those low bars that you've always heard dis- expressed. Yeah, don't kill, don't sell, buy slaves, you know, uh, intoxicants, etc. But that's that's the low bar. There are a couple of hands that shot up. Okay. So uh, we were in the same group, and um, something that occurred to me as as folks were talking and I was listening, uh, it it dawned on me that people are all like deeply passionate and creative and interesting and um, motivated. 
But what also kept coming up is that everybody is working in these systems that seem designed not to support that. And so there was a lot of conversation about like what we spend our time doing, what we want to be doing, what we're not doing. Um, and it also occurs to me there's like these real external factors that are shaping that. So I'm struggling a little bit because I, I wholeheartedly agree with you that people are interconnected. Um, but we also have some real limitations we're operating within. I completely agree. It, not to ignore what the systems are. Um, and, and systems are made of people. We are, we create systems. You know, it's not just the, you know, we create them. It's about human beings. History is about individual human beings. Work is about individual human beings creating systems for products for other human It's just, it's all about us, right? And the change has to start somewhere. And not to say that, and processes have been created historically for, anyway, given, given different motivations in, in Buddhism, we call it greed, hatred, and delusion. Greed is easy. Hatred, that's easy one. Delusion is confusion, is the root of the other two. If people really knew better, they wouldn't hate, they wouldn't have greed. That's the delusion, that's the confusion, not knowing any better. So there's plenty of that in the world, and in ourselves too. Like not to say, oh, it's just them, we're, we're good, we're like, have no greed, hatred, and confusion. It's all of us. It's all of us. So to recognize that, to do this practice, to, to show up differently, it will percolate. Not to say it's easy, but what other option do you have? Right? It's, it's our work. Thank you. So I want to share a couple of other things before three minutes we have to stop for lunch. Otherwise, we'll, we'll just starve. We'll just be here till midnight talking about right livelihood. So um, a couple of other things I want to share with you and let it wash over you. Um, one is... Um, oh, yeah, here it is. This is another... Um, characterization of right livelihood by Robin um, Shirir, founder of Career Enterprise Incorporated, uh, where work and heart meet. So their characterization of right livelihood is a sense of ease in work and life where one isn't caught in an internal conflict. Because when people are at peace about it, it frees energies to be more concentrated, more productive, more focused, and happiest. Part of right livelihood, according to Robin Shirir, is in designing your work and life so that you are growing throughout your lifetime. So this is the aspect of not being caught in internal conflict. And again, this is another bar, right? It's higher than the, the lowest level. It's kind of like aware... There isn't this internal conflict when there is alignment with your values and what you're doing and showing up in the world. And that may not be the situation right now, but is it possible? How can we be close to that so we can be more productive and more focused and happier? One more thought to drop in. This is from Peter Lebrun, who holds that right livelihood as an ideal, living in a totally authentic way, with no separation between work life and personal life, going after what you're most passionate about. It is also embedded in the idea of vocational wholeness to move towards the ideal um, 
the the ideal is the work of a lifetime. This ideal is the work of a lifetime. So again, this is another bar, right? This is the ideal version of no separation between your work and your life. So there are lots of different layers here of how we can divide, uh, think about wise livelihood. Aristotle says, you would find your vocation where your talents meet opportunity. That's another way to see it. Your talents meet opportunity. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.